Hey, I'm John Schmidt, and I'm turning around when it starts. Okay, I'm going a little bit later this morning. I'm the senior pastor here at Center Point Fellowship. I'm so glad you're with us today. I want to welcome all the folks worshiping with us uh, via video at multiple locations all around the River Region and on the World Wide Web. We're glad you're with us today. We're continuing on our series on hope. We've talked about the reason we have hope in God is because uh, God is good and God is great. And today we're going to talk about the fact that God is gracious. Inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline with a, uh, where I'm headed today, but that is the title, that God is gracious, and that gives us great hope, because we serve and we worship an almighty God who helps us in our times of need and blesses us beyond whatever we deserve. He forgives our sins, even though we don't deserve that. And if that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen. Yeah, it's great news. And so today we're going to celebrate God's goodness, and we're going to remind ourselves once again why we place our hope in him because God is gracious. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I just pray that you will give us hope today. Hope in your forgiveness, hope in your provision, and that, Lord, once again, you would give us, uh, fill our hearts with confidence in your good news. And just in a moment of silence, if you'd like the Lord to speak to you, to teach you something you need to hear today, would you say, Lord, my ears are open, I'm listening. Oh, Father, I pray that you'll speak and move me out of the way. Open our ears and let us be encouraged today by your great grace. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. If you need a pen to fill in the blanks, please raise your hand. Uh, one of our ushers will bring a pen to you so you can fill us in. You want to take some notes. And one of the things I want you to do is uh, right at the top of uh, uh, your paper somewhere on your outline, there's not a blank for this, but hope, I want you to put this down. This is an attitude... This is an attitude of confident assurance or expectation, maybe. An attitude of confident assurance. That my hope is, I'm assured that God's going to come through. When we say our hope is in Christ, our hope and our hope is in the Lord. It's not, well, I hope he can do something about it. Lord, I hope you answer prayer. I don't know if you can. That's not hope. That's not the way we're speaking at all. This is, Lord, I know you can answer this prayer. I know you hear me because I pray in the name of Jesus, and your word has revealed to me that Jesus said that he hears us whenever we pray in his name. So we have great confidence when we come before the Lord. It's a confident expectation. It's a confident assurance. And it's an attitude. Hope is an attitude. And I hope that you have it. And by the time we leave here today, I hope that that's exactly what's going on. That God has changed our attitude so we don't give up on him. Point one, this is why this is important. It's because we are sinful and needy. You and I are sinful and needy. And so we often live without hope. Romans 3.10, Paul summarizes it pretty well. No one is righteous, not even one. No one's truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Isn't that helpful? Okay. Oh, my goodness. Is that really true? Yeah, and that's why we can get into despair. I mean, the opposite of hope is despair. And cynical is the opposite of hopeful. And we live in a world where people are often cynical, and we, we are just so jaded now in our culture. And many times, even those of us who say our faith is in the Lord and our trust is in the Lord, can, our attitude can go south and become sour because of all the things we see on the news and because 
we look in a mirror and we're very aware of our own sinfulness. I mean, if we're just honest with ourselves, think of all the careless words we've said. Think of all the stupid things we've done. I mean, if you have just this week or just this month done something really stupid or really wrong, that if you could go back and change what you said or something like that, would you just say, Lord, I need to hear this today? Because that's where we are. I mean, my goodness, how many of us, we just go, if I could just take back that word, as soon as we say it, oh, I knew I shouldn't have said it. We went in saying, I'm not going to get mad, and man, the pile of light was already lit when we walked in the room. I know I need to forgive this person, but I can't. On and on and on. And so we sit there and go, well, Lord, I, I'm a sinner. I've done way too many things wrong. And then not only am I a sinner, but man, everybody around me is a sinner. My kids sin. That's pretty obvious. My wife sins. Yeah, I point that out regularly. Okay, I mean, and she points it out to me. My boss sins. My employees sin. My neighbor sins. His dog really sins, okay? And we have so many things that disappoint us. And so I want to give up and I want to just wallow in pity. I want to wallow in despair. I just want to wallow. It's all terrible. And I haven't even gotten into politics. Has anybody noticed that yet? My goodness, now how cynical can you be? But you know what? As a Christian, my hope isn't in me. I know I'm a sinner. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners and make us new. Amen? My hope isn't in you because you're a sinner just like me. Amen? Amen? Come on. You can't put all your hope in me. I can't put all my hope in you. That's not fair. I can have expectations of you, and you can have expectations of me, but we need, that's why we need to forgive each other. We always fall short. We have a government that the, Paul tells us in Romans 13 has the right to bear the sword, to restrain evil and all these things, and the government does sometimes what we think is right, and other times not what we think is wrong, and we often get disappointed by that, but our hope isn't in the government. Our hope is in the King of kings and the Lord of lords in Jesus Christ, our Savior. This is our hope. And so today... I don't bring you news that it's like, hey, you got to get your life a little bit better. Hey, you got to figure this all out on your own. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. That's not what I'm selling this morning. What I'm selling this morning is hope in Christ and our trust in the Lord who delivers us and helps us and blesses us far beyond what we deserve and expects us to pass it on. Ephesians 2.12, Paul reminds his readers of this, in those days when you're living apart from Christ, you live in this world without God and without hope. But now that we have Christ, we have hope. So I'm thinking there's a bunch of us here that need to hear this this morning. So we get sidetracked, and the devil's good about reminding us of all of our failures. And the devil's good about reminding us of all the ways other people have failed us. And the devil is really good about reminding us when we read the news or on the internet or other things like this, of how bad the world is. And we should give up hope in despair. Kind of like when I was a kid, there was a show on television in the 70s called Hee Haw. Does anybody remember this? Okay. I grew up in Kansas on a farm. It was required that we watch this, like every Tuesday night or whatever, when it came on. And there was a sketch that they would do over and over again. It was this little humorous sketch where some poor sap had just made one bad decision after another and just had a hard life. And they'd kind of follow him and kind of made it humorous somehow. But the words, to the, they'd sing a song at the beginning of the sketch. It would go, gloom, despair, and agony on me, deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. 
And somehow we thought that was funny. I don't know why. But that was the sketch. But you know that even in spite of all of God's promises in the Bible, in spite of how abundantly God has blessed us and how he reminds us again and again and again that he forgives us and he loves us in spite of who we are, in spite of what we've done, and no matter who we are, in spite of all these wonderful promises, some of us walk around with that gray cloud, gloom, despair, and agony on me. By the time you leave here today, I hope that cloud is dispelled. And that you leave here with great hope because we serve a God who is gracious. That's point two. We place our hope in him. Now, I want to make a uh, uh, distinction here with a couple other definitions. Today, we're talking about grace and God's graciousness, not justice. Justice is getting what we deserve. Justice is important, but that's not the topic for today. Justice is, hey, if you do this, then here's the penalty for that. We have a justice system, and as I said, the government is set up to enforce all the things, and that's good. But today we're talking about God's grace. So we're not talking about justice. That's getting what I deserve. Mercy is not getting what I deserve. This is, I deserve this, uh, but get out of here. I'm not going to hold it against you. I mean, when I was coaching Little League, we had what was called the mercy rule or the 10-run rule in baseball. If you're four innings in and you're more than 10 runs ahead, the game's over, even though normally you'd play to six innings. The reason why is because nobody wants to reinforce a 40 to nothing beatdown. Hey, let's just have two more innings. Let's pile it on so this hapless team can be driven into the dirt. And then we can go, boys, go home. You're terrible, okay? That's not what we wanted to reinforce in our kids, so we came up with a mercy rule. You deserve to be beaten by 30, but we're going to stop this at 10. And as a coach of my kids, there were times when I was coaching championship teams and we were on the benefit of that mercy rule because we were way ahead. And there were other times I coached teams where I was praying for that mercy rule to kick in because our team was terrible. The boys were getting better, but they weren't near where some of these other teams were. And I didn't want them to lose all hope. And I didn't want to. So we came up with a mercy rule. And it's a good rule. And we appreciate it when other people show us mercy. But not only is God just, he is just, and he will set all things right. Not only does he show us mercy and not punish us as we deserve, and he's greatly patient for us, but the Bible tells us that right now God shows us grace. This is undeserved kindness. And blessing. undeserved. Not only do I deserve to be punished by God, that would be the just thing. As soon as I mess up, wham, punishment comes immediately. It'd be one thing for him to just to show me mercy. Well, I'll let you live out your life, God, John, but I'll destroy you after that. But the Bible tells us that God sent his own son into the world because he loves us so much so that all who believe in him can have eternal life. And a new life while they live in this world filled with power. That he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, but he blesses us. And this is what's so amazing about his grace. It's undeserved kindness and blessing. Hence why we worship the Lord. Now, my goodness, this is something we could ponder about for days, and I hope that this message will start you pondering on this, but this is why our hope comes. Our hope is not in me. I'm failed, and I'm flawed, and so are you. And so is our government, 
We can't trust in our health because one day our health is good and the next day it's gone. And we're all getting older. Has anybody noticed that? Yeah. Our bodies are going to eventually break down. And the Lord doesn't want us to put our trust in our bodies. He doesn't want us to put our trust in anything but him. Because he is eternal and he is good and he is almighty and he is gracious. So two, two dimensions of God's grace that I don't hit today, and I could hit many. I'm just going to hit two. These are going to be hitting two mountain peaks of it. We're just skimming across the top. Could talk about each one of them for hours. I'll try not to talk for hours here today, but I just do want to talk about two important dimensions of God's grace. First of all, that God gives. God gives. And then that's point A. And point B on the backside is that God forgives. And we'll get to that in a little bit. God graciously gives and God graciously forgives. These are two ways that you and I encounter his grace all the time, his undeserved kindness and blessing. Let's talk about God's generosity and his giving nature. Let all that I am praise the Lord, Psalm 103, verses 2 through 6. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems, my, uh, redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. Would you underline that, please? He fills my life with good things. Let's not only underline it. Would we say it out loud, please? He fills my life with good things. One more time. He fills my life with good things. My goodness, we don't think about this often enough. My youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. So he fills our life with good things. He redeems us from death. He crowns us with love and tender mercies. Proverbs 2, 6, the Lord also gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And he gives us his word to guide us so we don't have to stumble around in the dark. We can know right from wrong, and we can know how to make the most of this life. He is gracious and good, and he knows how ignorant we are. For God is working in you. This is Philippians 2.13. The other one is Proverbs 2.6. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Not only does God give us the desire uh, to please him, he gives us the power to do it. Through his Holy Spirit. I mean, it's just amazing. There's more. He puts poor people on their feet again. He rekindles burned out lives with fresh hope, restoring dignity and respect to their lives. 1 Samuel 2.8. Samuel 2, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. James 1.17. And this is why when we gather around a table at my house, or if you're going to go to dinner with me and my family, before we eat, we're going to grab, hold hands, or we're going to bow our heads and fold our hands, and we're going to say grace. Do you know why it's called saying grace? Because the food on the table is a gracious gift of God. It's from God. The bounty is there due to God's grace. You and I do not deserve this on our own. And we read part of Psalm 103, verses 2 through 6, about how he fills our life with good things. If you keep reading on in that psalm, it says... The, the Lord is like a father to his children. He knows how weak we are. He understands that we're made from dust. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, but he's patient and kind and generous to us, just the way we are to our kids. There are so many times we shower blessings on our kids even when they don't deserve it. This is called a family vacation. Does anybody remember this? Okay. Kids are irritable and testy and fussy. And we're giving them a trip to Disney World where they can be irritable and testy and fussy. Testy and, fussy. and we do it because we love our kids. We treat them with kindness. We don't hold things against them. And the Bible says that's the way God treats us. That's why he says, call me your father. Say, our father when you pray to me. I'm your heavenly father. Think of me that way. 
and understand me. I'm gracious to you and kind to you. For when you have become full, this is the life application. The next one I'm bringing to the life application here. That's why we must never be prideful because of God's blessings. I must never be prideful because of God's blessings. Neither must you. If God has blessed you with a house to live in, you and I could take credit for that and say, look at my fine house. Well, who gave you strength to build that house? Who's the one who gave you the job that you prayed for? Who's the one who helped you through math class? Remember when you were praying that you would just pass chemistry? Yeah. The Lord did that. And so all of a sudden now, because I passed chemistry and I got that degree and I got that job and God answered prayer after prayer after prayer and now I have a house to live in, I go, look at the fine house I have. Look how great I am. I did it all on my own. I don't need God. Now we wouldn't say that, but we wouldn't give him thanks. And that's why sometimes when we go out to eat or something, I'm sitting with my kids and we're saying grace at a restaurant. I go, Dad, when they were young, it's like, Dad, nobody else is doing this. I go, I don't care. I'm not praying to them anyway. I'm not. You know why I'm saying thanks? Because I'm thankful. Because of God's grace. So we're going to say grace. And if you haven't been saying thanks for your food, shame on you. You heard it here first. I mean, before you eat lunch today, bow your heads and say, Lord, you're the one who gives us all our food. Why on earth would I eat without giving you thanks? When you and I wake up in the morning, we say, Lord, thanks for a good night's sleep. And when you're going to go to bed tonight, go, oh, Lord, thank you, I can go to bed. I mean, it's great if you have a home you can sleep in, a roof over your head, three squares a day. Do you know there are people all over the world who don't have those things? And we just take it for granted. And we blow right past it. And even when we have a day set up on Thanksgiving every November... We don't even say thanks then sometimes. We just watch football and eat too much. Mm -mm. God is gracious. God is good. And we must never be prideful. Deuteronomy 8 reminds us of this. For when you become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time. Forget the Lord your God. Never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth by my own strength and energy. The Lord's the one who gave you strength and energy. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Hmm. Here's another life application. Because God gives generously to us, he expects us to be generous to others. Lord says, look, I know your need. I'm going to treat you better than you deserve. You prayed to me. I heard your prayer. I'm just good to you. Lord, I don't deserve it. I know. I didn't give it to you because you deserve it. I gave it to you because I'm your heavenly father. He knows how stubborn and sinful we are. And Jesus says what he expects us to do is pass it on. So because God gives generously to us, he expects us to be generous to others. And right where you, there where you wrote us, would you write your name under that line? God expects John to be generous to others. God expects Susie. God expects Bill to be generous to others. Jesus summed it up for us, Matthew 5, 42. 
Give to those who ask. Don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You've heard the law says, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And that way you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. Sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you're to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. So here's how it works. If I have a need, my hope is in the Lord who shows me grace. And he hears my prayers because he's my loving heavenly father. So when I have a need, I pray. This isn't in your outline. But when I have a need, I pray. I come to him and I tell him my need. And I give thanks for for what he's already done. It's real important if I'm going to have hope in the Lord that my attitude is right. The next thing is I need to give thanks. I need, after I give thanks, I need to make sure I am never prideful. And thirdly, it's real important that I pass it on. So what I'd like to do right now at this point in the sermon, I'd like to just stop for a little bit and I'd like to, for us to come before the Lord with our greatest need. Just put your notes down, whatever you're going to do. I want you to fold your hands. We're going to say grace here. We're going to thank God for all, what he's already given us. And we're not going to eat right now. So <laughs> we're going to say grace without the food. We're going to say grace. We're going to thank God for his grace, for what he's already provided. And then we're going to pray for one thing. Some of you here, you need money to pay the rent. Some of, you need here, some, of you here, some of you here have a health concern. There's someone in the room probably who is just at total odds with someone in their family. Between the last service and this one, I spent the whole time with the family uh, praying because they said it was impossible that we came here today and you talked about this because we're just at odds with each other. They said, we came here today and you're talking about this. And we're sitting there looking at each other going, well, that's what we need. How did you know? And I said, well, I'm really smart. No, I didn't do that at all. I said, look, we pray that God will speak. God will speak to you today. God will hear your prayer. But you and I have to pray about our greatest need. So let's pray and let's give God thanks. Let's pray a prayer of grace. Lord, we just want to say grace right now. Father, um, saying grace before a meal is certainly appropriate. And saying, Lord, thanks for your grace, for all your kindness, for the food we eat, for the clothes we wear on our backs, for the homes we live in, for the cars we drive, for the jobs we have, for the families we have. You have blessed us abundantly. If you have not yet today, thank God for your home and your clothes and your car and your house, your food, and for your education, for your family. Stop for a second now, a few seconds now, and just give him thanks for any or all of those things. He will hear you. Say, God, I thank you for your grace your undeserved blessing on my life. And God, as we continue on in this service, Lord, I also not only want to give you thanks, I want to ask you for forgiveness for times when I've been prideful and taking confidence that I was the one who earned this without 
giving you thanks for the fact that you gave me strength to earn the money in my bank account. Did you even give me a bank account? So Lord, forgive me for my pride and not giving you all the glory. If you mean that, pray it. He'll hear you. We've all done it. Now finally, would you lay your biggest request before him and say, Lord, you're a gracious God. And even though there's times I've been prideful, and Lord, you know there's many times I've been ungrateful, but Lord, you're, the scripture says you're our heavenly father and you're patient with us. And so gracious God, who gives me undeserved kindness after undeserved kindness, I bring another need before you. If you're praying about a relationship, pray about it now and say, God, I need wisdom. I need to forgive or I need to be forgiven. If it's a financial need, say, God, I have a financial need and you know it. Please show me what to do. If you're afraid, pray for courage. Oh God, move in our midst. Hear our prayers. We pray these things because Jesus told us we could boldly approach the throne of heaven in his name and you would hear us because we ask in his name due to his righteousness. God, forgive us for trying to figure out everything on our own strength, trying to live as if you don't exist. Forgive us, Father, we pray. Our hope is in you because you can do amazing things. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Okay, that's why we have hope. If you came here today with a heavy burden on your heart, the Lord heard your prayer. Have hope. Be of good courage. Point A, God gives. He graciously gives. Point B, God graciously forgives. Again, two dimensions of grace could go into a lot more. Please don't email me and say, you didn't say this, this, this. I know. Too much to cover. But let me hit this. Just as God gives us and we pray to him and we tell him our needs and we give him thanks and we're never prideful and we should pass it on, the same thing happens not only with all of his bounty and the grace that he gives us and the blessings he gives us, it's also true about his forgiveness. You'll see it's an exact parallel here. So God graciously forgives. Psalm 86, 5. Oh, Lord, you're so good. You're ready to forgive. You're full of unfailing love for all who ask for for your help. When we were utterly helpless, listen to this one, Romans 5, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. In the margin, right, God goes first. Jesus Christ died on the cross while we're still sinners. Not when we got our lives all straight. He came to save filthy, rotten sinners like you and me. Everyone in here is a sinner. Every one of us. Well, hear the good news. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. He died on the cross while we're still sinners. Now, I might say, I'll do something kind for my kids, or I'll do something kind for my wife, or I'll do something kind for a good friend of mine, or somebody I know is particularly good. But man, but ask me to do that for somebody who'd just done me wrong asked me to give up something important to sacrificially give to somebody who treats me like dirt, well, you're out of luck. That's not the way Jesus is. Do you know what Jesus prayed for the people who were nailing him to the cross and spitting on him? 
said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He said, this is why I came, to overcome evil with good. Do not misunderstand this. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, filthy, rotten sinners like all of us. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen. I'm just telling you. Here's an important note. What this means is God's forgiveness is a gift and cannot be earned. For it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It's a gift. It's free and undeserved. Just like when you and I think of all the material blessings, the times when we've been stubborn, far from God, and we're still blessed anyway. He sends his rain on the good and the wicked alike. He not only sends rain on my lawn, he sends rain on the neighbor's lawn, even though I'm pretty convinced he's a sinner and his dog is a big sinner. <laughs> 